0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, September 28th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamenetti I'm on my own today because on Wednesday night, James and I both had differing schedules. I went and saw a screening of the new movie Battle of the Sexes. Meh. Um, on today's episode, I do want to let you know that it is Thursday. So at the end of this episode, Daniela Purcell will be back with this week's theater throwback. And then some real quick podcasting news, our friend Jillian over at the Hamilcast, she has announced that October will be redubbed Lynn Toberfest because she has four episodes coming out during the month of October featuring her interview with Lynn Manuel Miranda. And guys, he actually went to her house they did all of the interviews from her apartment. I don't know what would be more intimidating, just interviewing Lin-Manuel Miranda or having to get your house clean enough to interview Lin-Manuel Miranda. Either way, check out the Hamelcast. I'm sure they will be four phenomenal episodes. Okay, on to the news. Again, overnight, we had a fairly big Broadway announcement. And while earlier this week, we were pretty surprised by the Pretty Woman musical news, last night, the confirmation finally came to what I was hinting at earlier in the week, and two-time Grammy-winning pop star Jason Mraz will be joining the Broadway production of Waitress as the new Dr. Pomatter, beginning on November 3rd for a 10-week run through the holidays. Mraz, whose singles include You and I Both and Curbside Profit, a la the hints I was giving earlier this week, also duetted with composer Sarah Bareilles on the Waitress concept album What's Inside, so he is not unfamiliar with the diner. There is no announcement in terms of when current Jenna, Betsy Wolf, will leave the show, but I would not be surprised if at some point during Mr. A to Z's run, Barellis returns to the role in order to play opposite her friend. Another prediction I'll make, I have a feeling that this won't be the last Broadway announcement that we get this week. I could be wrong, but keep your eyes and ears peeled. In other waitress news yesterday, the show announced that for the month of October, the iconic blue diner uniforms that the waitresses wear at Joe's Pie Shop will turn pink, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. That is not the only thing that the show will be doing to raise awareness for the cause, though, as they will be bringing back the Waitress Pie Challenge. Think Ice Bucket Challenge, but taking a pie to the face. They will also have waitress-related auctions at charitybuzz.com. They'll be selling pink ribbons at the show, with all proceeds going to the Susan G. Komen Center for Greater New York City. If you would like more details on all of these great breast cancer awareness initiatives that Waitress is doing, check out the link in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. In other news yesterday, it was announced that for the first time ever, the movie version of the off-Broadway musical Little Shop of Horrors will return to movie theaters nationwide with its original ending during a special two-day only event on October 29th and 31st. My biggest problem with this movie has always been that the ending completely changed what happens in the stage version. But apparently with this broadcast, the studio and director Frank Oz have approved the use of a different 23-minute end sequence for this screening. In addition, Fathom Events will also include a brand new exclusive interview with Oz. You can get tickets now at FathomEvents.com or, you know, you can just go to the show notes for the link. Okay, on to some show and casting news. As we've discussed before, this past Tuesday was like old home week over at the Al Hirschfeld Theater as Kinky Boots original stars Billy Porter and Stark Sands returned to the roles of Lola and Charlie in the Cyndi Lauper Harvey Firestein musical. The pair will play the roles through January 7th and we've got some great photos of their first curtain call back in the factory if you wanna check those out. In other casting news, yesterday it was announced that CSI star Marg Helgenberger and House of Cards Damian Young had joined the cast of the Women's Project Theater's upcoming production of Teresa Rebeck's play, What We're Up Against. They joined the previously announced Skylar Astin and Christopher Rodriguez in the show that chronicles the gender politics in the workplace in the early 1990s. The show is scheduled to run at the WP Theater from October 28th through November 26th. Also yesterday, the first details of this year's 24 hour plays on Broadway were released, and some big names will be participating this year. The cast will feature Josh Charles, Jennifer Esposito, Stephen Adley-Girgis, Kush Jumbo, Lola Kirk, Christina Ricci, Kira Sedgwick, Jeremy Shamos, Lois Smith, Nick Tortorella, and more. Additional casting will be announced later. This year's directing team will include May Adralis, Warren Leight, Patricia McGregor, Jessica Stone, and Kate Wariski. And the writing team will include Fernanda Kopel, Chissa Hutchinson, David Lindsay Hebert, Martina Mayak, and Molly Smith-Metzler. This year's musical guest, will be the great Shana Taub. 24-hour plays will hit Broadway this year on Monday, October 30th at 8 p.m. at the American Airlines Theater. How this works is the 24-hour plays process begins at 9 p.m. the night before. Writers, composers, directors, choreographers, actors, music directors, musicians, and production staff, many of whom have never worked with or even met each other before, gather for an orientation where they are asked to share one costume piece, one prop, a special skill, and to reveal something that they have always wanted to do on stage, as well as some singing and dancing. At 11 p.m., the composers and writers get to work, crafting 15- to 20-minute musicals overnight. At 9 a.m., the next morning, the actors receive their roles and the directors, choreographers, and musicians arrive to begin rehearsal. Less than 12 hours later, they must be ready to perform in front of a live audience. Proceeds benefit the 24-Hour Plays Initiative and the Lilly Awards Foundation. For more information, visit www.24hourplays.com. That's www.the number two, the number four, ourplace.com. All right, I'm breaking away from the script now because we just got information in from the Chicago Tribune that The Share Show, the fully authorized, bluntly titled biographically oriented Broadway bound musical, will make its world premiere next June at the Oriental Theater in Chicago. From there, it will move to Broadway's Neil Simon Theater in the fall of 2018. No official word yet on casting, but, I wouldn't be surprised if someone you might have heard here on Broadway Radio in the not-too-distant past ends up being a part of this production. Okay, back to the script. Yesterday, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS announced that they were donating $400,000 to various organizations working on the ground in Florida and Puerto Rico, providing immediate support to communities devastated by Hurricanes Irma and Maria. These grants are in addition to the $175,000 awarded in Texas after Hurricane Harvey. Broadway Cares is providing a $200,000 grant to the Hispanic Federation, $50,000 to Feeding South Florida, $50,000 to Feeding Tampa Bay, and $100,000 to Entertainment Industry and Performing Arts Professionals across Florida and Puerto Rico via the Actors Fund. Taking a complete left turn at Albuquerque, so last month, the Epic Theater Company was scheduled to present the new play, James, Franco, and Me, by Kevin Broccoli. In the story, Kevin, a writer, finds himself in a hospital, waiting for his father to pass away. And for some inexplicable reason, James Franco shows up to comfort Kevin, and the two end up spending a very long night discussing fame, mortality, and what to do with the time you're given. However, before the production began, the venue where it was supposed to run received a cease and desist letter from Franco's lawyers, effectively scuttling the production even though the playwright in the theater had previously been making efforts to inform Franco of the play and to let him know that he was portrayed favorably in it. Well, yesterday, Broccoli's legal team responded with a letter to Franco and his lawyers, which you can read in the show notes, but in a separate statement, the playwright said, quote, I feel very strongly that the show does fall within the realm of satire and as much should be protected by the First Amendment. Now, hear me out here. Perhaps this is just my cynical side coming out, and this might be upsetting to people close to this production, but if you know anything about James Franco, you know that he is not exactly a normal dude. He likes doing things that are completely outside of what you would think that an Academy Award-nominated actor would do, like originating the role of a serial killer artist named Franco on General Hospital, or making a movie about the making of what has been described as the worst movie of all time, The Disaster Artist is in theaters this December. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that his objection to this show might be somehow calculated, either to get more attention for the production, or perhaps to maneuver into appearing in it himself. Uh, Probably not, and, and I'm not suggesting that Broccoli or the Epic Theater Company are involved in this in any way as a publicity stunt, but if Franco has some sort of ulterior motives, this wouldn't the strangest thing that he's ever done? So I don't think that's actually what's going on, but it is a thought that crossed my mind. Also, this topic ties in directly with the episode of the O'Henry Report that we put out over at Broadway World yesterday, in which Oliver Henry Roth talked to the playwright, producer, and the lawyers behind Who's Holiday, a production that we talked about on this show last year that was supposed to star Jennifer Samard as a 45-year-old Cindy Lou Who. That production received a cease and desist letter from Dr. Seuss Enterprises, but effectively sued Dr. Seuss to make sure that they had the right to do this show. And spoiler alert, in that episode, the playwright Matthew Lombardo does tease that there's a big announcement coming this Sunday. And I'm telling you, it's going to be big. All right. Finally, before our theater throwback, the New York Times yesterday released an article in which Bruce Springsteen commented that Broadway was his first real job ever. I'm not gonna go into a ton of the details as you can read it for yourself. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes, obviously. But for all you Boss fans, it's a pretty interesting read, especially if Ticketmaster Verified fan keeps emailing you and telling you you aren't allowed to buy tickets. Sorry about that. Okay, now over to Daniela with this singularly sensational theater throwback.
1: Hi everybody, this is Daniella Parcel, and I'm here with this week's theater throwback. Last week, I discussed the last-minute bid of generosity that saved Broadway's Me Kate from closing back in 2001. For more on that, you can head over to Today on Broadway for Thursday, September 21st. Today I have a story from the New York Times, published on September 30th, 1983, with the headline, 332 dance on a record 3389th chorus line. The article chronicles A Chorus Line's historic 3,389th performance, which started the musical's reign as the longest-running Broadway show in history. On this Thursday night, in the show's ninth year on Broadway, A Chorus Line officially broke the record 3,388 performances set by the original Broadway production of Grease. A Chorus Line went all out for this record-breaking performance. 332 Chorus Line alumni coming from Tokyo to Germany to Oregon, gathered on stage at the Schubert Theater that night to celebrate the milestone. The show was performed with the same plot as usual, but certain scenes were given to specific performers or to specific companies. For example, Donna McKechnie delivered Cassie's soliloquy to Zach, began her solo dance, and was then joined by a handful of Cassies from other companies. Three different vows shared the song Dance 10 Looks 3, And Paul's monologue was split between nine former Pauls. The most triumphant moment came in the finale, when all 332 performers took the stage for the final number one. There is actually a video of that on YouTube, which I will include a link to. The entire event took about three months of planning and $450,000 to pull off. The booth theater next door was used as a space for the hundreds of costumes to be produced, and later as an enormous dressing room for the performers. Schubert Alley was transformed into an outdoor restaurant where 2,500 guests gathered after the performance for a dinner that included 30 pounds of caviar and 35 cases of champagne. It was a reunion, a celebration, and an all-around historic night. A Chorus Line has since been surpassed as the longest-running show in Broadway history. The fan of the Opera now holds that title. But, the show ran for six and a half more years after that record-breaking night, racking up over 6,000 performances and revolutionizing what a Broadway musical could be. Also this week in history, on September 25th, 1979, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's Evita opened at the Broadway Theatre. On September 26, 1957, the original Broadway production of West Side Story opened at the Winter Garden Theatre. And on September 27, 2015, the recent revival of Spring Awakening opened at the Brooks Atkinson. On September 29th, 1962, the original production of My Fair Lady closed after six and a half years. And finally, on September 30th, 1954, Julie Andrews made her Broadway debut in The Boyfriend. That is all for this week. Thank you for listening. Again, this is Daniela Parcell. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniela Parcell, and I will be back next Thursday with another theater throwback.
0: All right, great work as always, Daniela. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Have a great Thursday, and James and I will be back to talk to you tomorrow.